Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you would, just remain standing with me for the reading of God's Word and open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. While you're turning there, our kids' church, children, kindergarten through sixth grade, they are dismissed to children's church. And they are meeting outside that back door tonight, today. They get a field trip. I'm jealous. Let's, all, let's, let's go join them, right? And this morning, I am beginning a series for this month called Unwrapping the Gifts of Christmas. Each week, we will be looking at the gifts of Christmas through each of the gospel accounts. And so this morning, we begin in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 16. And this is what the gospel according to Matthew declares in Matthew 1.1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And going down to verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. And now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you and I praise you. Oh, that Lord, that we are able to come and to, oh Lord, unwrap the messages of Christmas beginning today. And so, Lord, I pray that you will touch us, that you will lead us and direct us and move within our midst today. Because, God, we come to give it all to you. And we say, God, we need your voice, your touch upon our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. How many of you have already finished your Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are on top of it. I am jealous. And since you're finished, you can come do my shopping for me, right? How many of you have not yet bought the first present? About the same, okay? 
And so some, most of us are somewhere in between. And one of the things about Christmas gifts is that you always end up with things that you wonder what they were thinking. And so this morning I have some presents. I may need assistance, Pastor Joshua. So as I open my presents this morning... I am reminded of my grandmother who loved to always buy me sweaters. Maybe sweaters like this. So what happens when you open up, you hold that for me, be my, be my assistant here. I didn't, I'm not making him put them on, okay, put it on. Uh, but have you ever gotten that gift and you open it and you go, yay. Thank you so much. See, we've got, if anybody has an ugly Christmas sweater uh, party coming up, you are free to borrow this, okay? Wives, I know that when you open up Christmas gifts this year, that your husband has outdone himself when he buys you this. You need this, Tony? You need, you need a gift for Bonnie? Husbands, do not buy your wife an iron for Christmas. Okay? Gifts not to buy. All right, can you hold up? I, I do not like coffee at all. So imagine my joy when my uncle gave me a couple years ago for Christmas, a coffee gift card. That was the quickest re-gift in history. Because as quickly as I opened it and I went, huh? Tina grabbed it and said, I'll take that, thank you. All of those things, and when we gather in gifts, we think about things, and we gather around, and we exchange gifts, and, and we have all of those things. And there's a lot of gifts that we don't want, or there's things that we wonder what was the gift giver thinking. But in, in, in that story, whether it's husbands and wives, gifts for each other, or my grandmother's sweaters for me, or my uncle, we, we recognize that Christmas and family become very closely connected. There is not $100 in here, I'm sorry. Including the iron. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Josh. Hey, where'd you get that? Family. When we talk about family, family is one of those gifts of Christmas, isn't it? When we think about it and we think about gathering together and we think about what it means, and we understand that Jesus is, as we say, the reason for Christmas, but it becomes very closely connected to family and gathering together. Whether we're able to get with uh, immediate family, or whether it's adoptive family, or whether it's a friend family, whatever it might be, there's that family that we get to celebrate and exchange gifts with, and laugh, and, and eat, and celebrate the Christmas season. And so family is one of these gifts that we get to unwrap when it comes to Christmas time. 
that family is one of these things that we recognize that God has given to us. And it is clearly at the very forefront of the Christmas story as we read the account in Matthew. In Matthew's account, we begin with the family of, who, of Jesus. We begin with the genealogy of Jesus and his lineage. And maybe you're probably like me and you're wondering, if I'm going to write a book, am I going to begin with so-and-so beget so-and-so beget so-and-so? <laughs> no. For every single one of us, if we were going to write a best-selling novel or we were going to write, write a great story, we would find some other captivating story or account that we could use to get the reader's attention. But that is not what we find in Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector. The tax collector had to be the detailed kind of person. He had to be able to keep meticulous records and he had to be able to know and recognize that there was no detail that was too small to be included. And so I think it's fitting that Matthew begins his account of Jesus by giving the lineage and by beginning what it is and all those that are entailed as we go through the lineage of Christ. And I understand for time purposes we didn't read all of those generations that, uh, that Matthew references. We just kind of summarized it. But if you go through every single one of those names, there's a lot of names that jump out at us. There's a lot of names that we have no idea maybe who they are and, and, they, and they're foreign to us. And it kind of reminds me of even our own families. There's family members that we wish we could forget about. Amen. There's family members that are just foundational to our heritage. There's family members that we love them, but we can't stand to be around them. Amen. <laughs> Getting too enthusiastic amens over here about that, but... We have family that we love them. We get angry at them. We get frustrated with them. We, get, we have family that we... Anybody have this conversation before you get out of the car at a relative's house? How long are we staying? <laughs> because we recognize that while we love our families, that sometimes there are limits to how much we can be around one another. And so family has that whole spectrum when we think about it and we recognize that even though they may get on earth and we, they may, we may frustrate each other, they're our family and we love them. And they tell part of our story. They tell part of who we are. And, and that is the same with Jesus and the lineage and the genealogy that Matthew goes and, and he delineates here with every aspect. It tells the story of Jesus. You see, for, uh, for Matthew, not only was he a meticulous record keeper, but for the Jewish culture, the lineage was extremely important. It was of great value because uh, the, this, this um, Messiah that they were looking for and coming to, God had been very clear and very specific about the line and the lineage that he was supposed to come from. And so this became kind of a validation in fact, I'm going to, just to give the mini team a heads up, I am jumping all over the place this morning, okay? And so one of the things that we realize is that through the lineage of Christ is that God fulfills his promises through his son, Jesus Christ. He fulfills his promises because why? Because the promises were all about he's going to be of the line of David. We read and we recognize and we read, even there in our text, 
He says, Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And so we recognize this lineage of coming from uh, a lineage of coming from there. But there is this name and this title that even becomes part of the promise. How does Matthew identify? He calls him Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 16, Jesus Christ, who is called Christ. It's interesting that Matthew only uses the word Christ one other time in his gospel. He uses it twice in giving the introduction of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And the only other time he uses the word Christ is when Jesus is standing before Pilate. And so Christ is not a term that is thrown around randomly by Matthew in the writing of the gospel. But, and so we begin to think about what does Jesus mean? Jesus literally translates Yahweh saves. Christ literally translates anointed one. In the Hebrew translation of Christ, it literally means Messiah. And so we see that we have all of this and we have all of these things that come into play that it points everything and everyone to who Jesus is. He is the anointed king and savior. Matthew hokos and he goes through this and, and, and we understand and we recognize that here our faith is very clear cut and very specific about who Jesus is so that we can know that our faith is not based on myth or legend, but we understand that our faith is legitimate, it is real, and it is rooted in history. Our faith is not just some random kind of thing, but it is something that God looks to us and says, this is the real deal. And even outside of Christianity, you will understand and know that Jesus is real and you will find his events and find what happened in his life recorded in multiple sources even outside of scripture. There was a missionary out in the Philippines that was ministering and trying to evangelize a particular tribe up in the mountains in the Philippines and, 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 and she was... It was kind of a slow going, and, and she recognized that part of the issue was language. And so she was trying to learn their language. She was trying to make the effort to be able to translate the gospel into their language so that they could understand it and read it. And it was a very slow go and a very difficult kind of process. But one day, a man, kind of one of the leaders within the tribe who had kind of adopted this uh, woman missionary kind of his, as, his, as a daughter almost in terms of relationship, that he had come to her and, and um, he picked up an English a New Testament. And he began with, beginning of the English New Testament was Matthew chapter 1. And he began to look and he was learning English from the missionary. And so he began to read and he knew enough to recognize that these were names. And as he was reading through the genealogy of Jesus Christ and he got to all of these things, he, he, he looked at her amazed. And he goes, you mean this is his family? And she said, yeah. Yeah, it has his genealogy, it has his lineage, and, and just you can skip over that so that you can get to the good part about who Jesus is. And so his eyes were just looking, and he couldn't get past it, and he said, so this is true. And she said, yes, of course. 
And he tried to struggle and he was trying to read and go through the names and, and all of that. And so all of a sudden the missionary had this idea. And so he, she grabs this paper off of the shelf and she begins to delineate and list every single name from Adam all the way down through the lineage of getting to Jesus Christ and his birth. And, and this leader, this man within the tribe began to get excited. And he said, oh, wow. And so he took the papers and he goes all throughout the village and he says, oh, people, come and listen. You see, this Jesus that she's telling us about didn't come from a rock, didn't come from a banana, didn't come from a tree. Like we have believed that God, oh, created things out of other things. Oh, but rather this Jesus that she's telling us about, oh, has a lineage, has a heritage, has a genealogy, and has a family. And as he began to tell the rest of the people in the village, their eyes began to open up because that was so important to them in their culture and in their history. Their family and their family heritage was of vital importance because it gave background. And in that moment, the man realized that this Jesus that she had been telling them about was real and authentic. And he gave his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. And we get to come this morning in 2021 and we can have the same excitement and the same zeal because we know that our faith and our faith in Christ is real. It is not based on myth or on legend. It is not based upon heresy or false teaching. Oh, but it is based upon the authenticity of God and his word and the promises that he declared to be coming true and fulfilled all through his son, Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. See, genealogy matters. Family matters. And he made this an understanding that the Jesus through the son of David becomes fulfilled. In the generations of the genealogy that are foretold here in Matthew 1, we see that uh, there's these uh, different 14 generations in these 14 generational periods. And so we see the origins of David's kingdom. We see the rise and the decline of David's kingdom. We see the eclipsing of David's kingdom. And in a moment of despair... And looking as if in the historical accounts that the promise to David that his heir would occupy the throne forever. It looked as if that promise was going to be lost. Never to be regained. Because they were not free. David's line was not on the throne and was not in position to be on throne. But all of a sudden, Jesus. Jesus shows up. Yeah. And in the middle of this, we have to ask ourselves, what are the promises that God has declared in us and in our families? God had promised David that he, oh, his heir would be on the throne, that his heir would be oh, uh, uh, the Messiah, and, and, and we can't... Uh, you know, we can go through and we can begin to uh, analyze and look at all these things. And in fact, in Jeremiah, and for time purposes, I'm not going to go back, but I can, if you're interested in more information, I can meet and, and give that to you. But in Jeremiah, it was interesting, one of, uh, of the descendants of David, uh, as they were going into captivity in Babylon, uh, that the, was an evil and, and, and unruly king. And so there was this 
promise that was placed, or if you would say this curse that was placed upon him, that said that not only would he be taken into captivity, but that he would not be on the throne, and that his children would not be on the throne. And all of a sudden, in that moment, you're thinking, well, that, that curse counteracts the literal promise that God had given to David. But notice in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1 that everywhere we go, it says so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so until we get to Joseph. Look at verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph. Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. In this moment, we see that we do not see that Joseph begot Christ. Because Joseph wasn't the earthly biological father. And in here we see how God's promises were able to be fulfilled. Both for David's fulfillment, but also of the curse against the unrighteousness of the king in Jeremiah chapter 23, I think it was. And in that we realize that it wasn't the literal blood, but we see Joseph there as the father of the line of David. He was the legal father of Jesus Christ. He was the legal guardian and, and an earthly father that was empowered to raise the Son of God. But biologically, Jesus was the Lord, was God's. And so God uses David. He fulfills the promise through Jesus in the line of David. He also, Jesus is the fulfillment and the promise of, as being the son of Abraham. And we see that at the very declaration, at the very beginning of, of, of Matthew chapter 1-1. And so maybe you're sitting there going, oh, that's great, Pastor, that he fulfills the promises of God in the line of David and in the line of Abraham. But I want to encourage you that God will fulfill his promises each and every time. He fulfills his promises in your life as well. How many of you have been, and just don't raise your hands, but just to yourself. How many of you have been praying for family members? For their salvation? Or for their deliverance? And you are yet to see that or that prayer fulfilled. And I think if we were to go around the room that a vast majority of us would probably be able to acknowledge and say yes. But you see, one of the things that God fulfills through the family and through the lineage and through the genealogy of Christ is that we see that God sent Jesus Christ as a Savior for sinners. And He sent a Savior for sinners... Because he understood that you and I as sinners needed a Savior so that we could gain our entrance into the family of God. You know, the list of people on the lineage of Christ includes a, a vast array of people. Includes people that are known for immorality and sin. For the Jewish culture, it was always patriarchal, so it was always through the male. But guess what? There's four women, four or five women listed in the genealogy of Christ. 
For Jewish history, you would not only include only men, but you would also only include Jews. Guess what? There's Gentiles in the lineage of Christ. And in this message of the family of Christ and his lineage, we realize and we see that Jesus came as a savior for sinners, not just for those that were Jewish, not for just those that were men, not just for those that had it all together. Oh, but we realize and we see that Jesus came and died on the cross as a savior oh, to the, every single person in the world so that his will would be that none should perish, but all would be able to have everlasting life through Jesus Christ. You see, we come to this woman and we come to this point and we realize and we recognize oh that every single one of us falls short of God's standard every single one of us are sinners Romans 3 23 in fact the first three chapters of Roman are all about whoever we are whether we're pagan or Gentile or Jewish whether we're rich or whether we're poor whether we're male or whether we're female we are all guilty according to the standard of God oh but it culminates in Romans 3 23 and it says that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God but you read on a few chapters later and we are reminded that even though the wages or the payment of that sin is death, the gift and the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, the gifts of Christmas as family is that we get to be brought into the family of God through Jesus Christ. In just a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating with individuals through baptism. Praise God. Baptism is not the act of salvation. But baptism is a public profession of what has already happened in their lives. And what we get to celebrate with them this morning is that Christ is not only Savior, oh, but now they're part of the family of God that we as believers all get to be a part of. So Christmas reminds us of that. And in fact, at this time, as those being baptized, you may uh, step out and, and go prepare. You see, when we begin to look at and think about our need for Savior, even Mary, the mother of Jesus acknowledged her own need for a savior. In Mary's prayer in Luke chapter 1 and verse 47, she says, And my spirit has rejoiced for God, my Savior. Savior. And we look and we Realize that good people do not need mercy or salvation. In the sense that good people think we've got all together, is my point. But the reality is every single one of us, no matter how good we think we are, we all need salvation. And so, sinners, you and I, we need to cry out for the mercy of God. We need to be able to cry out and say, God, I need you and I want to be a part of that family. 
And so we get one of those gifts of Christmas is that family, the spiritual family that we get to be a part of as believers. And I'm thankful for that. And I, and I encourage you, and I implore you this morning, if you are here today and, and you are not in right relationship with God, let Christmas be that reminder. And let today be that reminder, oh, that God and the gift of Christmas that we don't want to leave unwrapped in front of the tree is that God wants us and calls us to be a part of the family of God. Yeah. He wants us to be able to step in and, and for us to be able to cry out, Abba, Father. He wants to be able to look to other believers and, and recognize them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so don't let today pass you by. Do not be a stranger, but be a part of the family. Not only is the spiritual family, but we have an earthly physical family. I remember my grandmother uh, on my dad's side, she was one of 12. And so what that meant was that my grandmother had family all over the country and specifically the South. To the point that between my mom and my dad, we had family from coast to coast. We were, my dad was stationed at Homestead Air Force Base down south of Miami. And we that was transferred to Australia. And so we had to get to the West Coast. And so mom and dad decided we were gonna drive. And so we drove from, to about a month because we made stops from Miami, Florida, or Homestead, Florida, all the way to San Diego. I want you to know that we never stayed in a hotel. We only stayed in the hotel one time and that was when we stopped at Disney World just a few hours from Homestead, Florida. Every other town that we stopped in, we stayed with family. I met cousins and second cousins that I didn't even know existed. Mom had never even met half of the family that we were staying with. My, my grandmother's side of the family was kind of that way. You just you'd get a knock on the door. Hey, it's Aunt Elizabeth drove in from Minnesota. She's going to stay for the week. Let me tell you, my mom loved that. Not. <laughs> family. And those physical family, but there was those moments where we, where we would go in and we would make those connections and we realized that there's a blood kinship and there's a blood connection and it's in that that we recognize that not only does God want us to be a part of a spiritual family, but he wants us to be a part of a physical family. Maybe we're blessed today and we're able to be sitting in church with some of that physical family. Maybe we're blessed to be able to be sitting next to people that may not be blood part of our family, but they are a part of our chosen family. And regardless of, of what that looks like, we understand that God desires for there to be a blessing and a connection and a kinship especially in Christmas. I love the blessing that the Lord gave to Moses in Numbers chapter 6. As the musicians, or as, I'm sorry, as the pianist comes this morning. And in Numbers chapter 6, this is what the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, speak to Aaron and his sons. Saying, this 
is the way that you should bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This morning, I don't know who you have come to church with, but I believe that as we close this morning and transition into our baptism service that we need to gather together with our family whether that is blood family whether that is chosen family whatever that might look like and for us to pray with one another to pray for God's blessings upon one another and to believe for God to touch and to move to change the circumstances that our family may be up against. If you would stand with me this morning. And if you would just, and if you need to move and get, I want you to get with your family. If you have family that is here, I want you to gather with them if you do not have blood family with them, again, chosen family that I call friends. As Pastor Cabrera comes, Excuse me. <laughs> you, 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 you feel me, Scotty, right? You're coming. Oh, yeah. Lloyd, come with Pastor Cabrera. Gather together, hold hands, and I want you just to take a moment, and I want you just to share with one another that if there's anything in particular that you're that you would desire, that you, that you feel led to mention, either something that you're thankful for or something that you would like them to remember you in prayer. And Pastor Cabrera is going to give you guys just a couple of minutes or two to do that. And then he's going to lead us in a prayer for one another. A prayer for one another is part of the family of God and is part of a physical family. We're believing for God to touch and to move. So begin to just share what would what is going on in your life or what are you thankful for that you want to give God praise for before we pray for one another. Amen. God bless y'all. Amen. If you all will, get with your families as we begin to pray. Amen. My wife looked over at me earlier and she says, what are you smiling about? I said, I have a beautiful wife. It gives me all such a things to smile. Amen. Amen. If you will, get with your families. Let us bow our heads, eyes closed, and every ear paying attention. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you and we thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. We thank you, Father, that all things flow through you, for you, and by you. 
Father, we come and we submit our families under your perfect will, Father, for it is the safest place to be, Lord. It is the greatest place to be. Father, you know the beginning and the end. You are the definer of the beginning and the end. And that you know all things, Father. And through this time, when we go through this journey through life, Father, you know, Lord. You know the beginning and the end. Father, we put our trust. We put our confidence. We put everything in you. Father God, saturate us. Father God, be with us, Father, in every way, form, and fashion that you can be. Father, let us learn how to be sensitive to the spirit of the living God. To hear you, Father, that when you tell us to move, that we move. And that when you tell us to pray, that we pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, guide us, Holy Spirit. That when our children ask questions, that we are able to answer those questions in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ for what he has done. So that way when our children see death and they say, I don't understand, we will tell them that in the light of the cross of that wound on Calvary that he bore for us, that though, Father, that though there are bitter waters, that when we think in light of the cross of that wood, like Moses threw the wood in the water and made it sweet, Father, that we can think of death not in just bitterness, but in sweetness, Father. And through the cross and through the power of Jesus Christ and resurrecting, there is resurrection power through that spirit, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father. Help us to be creative, to be mindful, to be wise, Father. In that moment, to answer the questions of our little ones, the questions that our friends may have, the questions, more gladly so, that our family members may have, Father, as we lead them to know more and more of who Christ is in the wonderful the invincible name of Christ Jesus, the strong Son of God, the man of Galilee, the one they said what could what good could come from there. It was Jesus. Oh Jesus. It was Jesus. In the nombre de Jesus, el Hijo poderoso, nosotros decimos Amen, 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 Amen. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. If you will, Pastor Adam is prepared back here. We've got him. Pastor Adam, how you doing? You good? You may be seated. You may be seated. We are very excited to be able to celebrate in faith with uh, a couple of individuals. So, uh, Brittany, come give a warm welcome to Brittany Manley this morning.
we're so proud in, in the conversations that I've had with Jana. So in getting to talk to Jana through the years, and it's I have loved being able to see um, things go. She grew up connected to church and in church, but as an adult, there's always been this, I know God and I know who He is, but not a, I just don't know where I'm at in terms of what I want, in terms of selling myself out to God, you know? And, and so through... About a month ago, um, in an altar service, Jana came down and she was, no offense, she was bawling her eyes out. And I prayed for her, and um, because of things that were going on in her life, and, and I came back to her and I said, Jana, what you need? And she just looked at me and she said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender.
the gift of spiritual family, the gift of an earthly family. God, and I pray that right now that you will just continue to move and to bless and to have your way, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we give our time, give our, our, our efforts and our hearts completely to you. Let us honor you in everything that we say and do. Lord, we praise you. We magnify Jesus Christ.